very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And if you want to get in touch with me, have a guest suggestion, want to be a guest on this radio program, or simply have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Just click on the contact button of our website. And tonight we present to you the third installment of the life and technology of David Adair. So when we hear of the alleged secret space program, are we actually referring to the ONI? No, NRO. NRO. Uh, yeah, the NRO would be running something like that. The ONI wouldn't have enough horsepower uh, juice to get to the that level. This rumor of, uh, you probably heard, and I don't mean to deviate, but I just before I forget, a quick parenthesis, you heard of the quote-unquote hacker Gary McKinnon. No, I don't think I have. This is the British young man who supposedly hacked, I don't think he hacked, he basically went into the the U.S. government computers and extracted information, and he mentioned that among the things he found he found two vessels, two U.S. military vessels. One was the USSS Roscoe Hillencotter, and another one, USSS Curtis LeMay. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. Aren't these supposed to be like um, spaceship carriers? Correct. Yeah, I heard of that. Um, <laughs> that a rumor? Is this true, or is think, it just... I think Curtis would be tickled to have a... To him being Air Force, or it would amuse him that you have a naval aircraft carrier named after him, but he would, his ego would probably like it, but um, it's just, what an irony when I heard that, I thought, um, but it makes sense, I mean, you got Ronald Reagan, the carrier. But do you think this is disinformation? I don't know, I don't know enough about it, uh, but... um. I mean, of all, pe- <laughs> of all people, for me telling somebody, you know, don't throw rocks in a glass house, I live in probably, people think, the biggest glass house of them all. But um, I haven't seen those carriers, uh, so I don't know. But it is, let's just do a what if. What if this stuff is real? Uh, if you have off-world uh, technologies, off-world colonies, that's, that's a mind-blower. Then, um, 
if you follow the matrix of things, it would be logical to assume that these off-worlds would have protection. And if they had protection, they then might easily show up in the forms of spacecraft, battleships, whatever, uh, in space. So a space carrier would be a logical conclusion to come to. I don't know if any of that's real. I don't know if off-world technologies are real. If I haven't seen it, I hadn't put my hands on it, uh, I'm not going to tell you that it's real or not because I just don't have enough sure, information. Sure, I understand. And, um, but, keep, but then that's coming from a guy that, <laughs> yeah, I saw this alien pirate plant in a, some kind of big underground base on the Area 51 and, and yet I'll turn around and tell you, I've never seen an alien, never seen a UFO, and certainly not a space aircraft carrier. Um, well, I appreciate the fact that, hands that I, I appreciate the fact that, David, that you don't embellish, because a lot of people, and I'm not going to mention names, a lot of people have had great stories from the 1960s, 70s. All of a sudden, their story becomes stale, and a few years later, they start making things up just to keep their stories relevant. And your story has always been the same ever since I heard it the first time. Well, when you live, uh, when you live a life in a chronological line, which all everyone does, and you r do recall, it's going to come back the same every single time because you lived it, and it's easy to do recall until you get old. <laughs> I'm getting there, and your memory goes, but. You don't, uh, I've even had FBI profilers work on me one time. I didn't know who they were. They just at dinner and they were running through my, they were running me through all questions through my stories and they were jumping about like pulp fiction, uh, different breaking the timelines and stuff. <laughs> and they said, then what they were trying to do is get me confused. And I, you know, all, all I had to do was stop, close my eyes, look up. And then I'll tell you exactly what happened, what I remember. Well, what got the profile is they told him, we can't say it's real or not, but we can tell you one thing. He's not lying. He's doing recall. He never looks at the floor. He always looks up and to the left. That's recall. So if he's doing recall, the only thing we can conclude is it's a real story. God help us. And, um, yeah, I've had that comment a lot of times. And, I'm not going to embellish something because, <laughs> truthfully, you can, <laughs> it's crazy enough as it is. It doesn't need to be added to. Good God. Uh, so what happened after you were subjected to barbiturates and so on? I, um, Rudolph, actually, he hurt me. He really, he permanently did some damage on me. Um, I, when I came, finally got me out of there and got me to the, Navy schools, um, I was doing some, uh, I was sent to the B schools and, um, those are college equivalent, um, classes. And so you had to think, you really do, you get, especially in the math area. And I felt okay, but then I realized something, all of my high-end functions, uh, just weren't there. And, um, got terrible headaches in the forehead and had my, um, brain scanned. And I, I, and there's some evidence, uh, I've got all kinds of trauma 
and the frontal lobes from, um, it's not trauma from impact, it's chemical trauma. So people think, oh, he must experiment with drugs. <laughs> no, but I certainly had somebody wailing on me with a lot of, um, I guess, better names, uh, truth serum stuff, but boy, the saddest part was I looked at some old notes, just a few, just a few scrap notes, like in a little memo pad, and I remember writing it. Uh, it's in my handwriting, and I remember writing those expressions, but I can't read them anymore. So, um. But what do you think they were? Well, they, I remember writing them. They were uh, mathematical expressions for fusion containment. So all of that type of mass and um, processing stuff got hurt um, when your when your brain's attacked chemically like that. It will uh, damage will start at the very highest functions and then work their way down. And um, is that so form the, of lobotomizing in a way? Yeah. Exactly. What do you think? Well, look where the lobotomy takes place. Where does it take place? Front, front of the lobe. Front of the lobe, in front of your head. That's where I hurt the most. And if I try to really concentrate on my math, it's just I can't do it anymore. It's just fortunately I have memory of it, but I don't have functionality with it, if that makes sense. In other words, I can read, I can look at stuff and go, that's my handwriting. I remember writing it, but I can't read it. So because I guess the frontal lobe got hurt too much, um, and the higher end functions. So what happened after, uh, after Rudolph got you, what he, did he get what he needed the first time? No, he did not. Um, uh, that makes me happy. Um, he got some, but not enough to take him all the way where he wants to get. Sent him in a different direction, though, but he um, he couldn't get the main stuff he, he wanted. It just, well, I guess my little brain just wouldn't give it up. So, um, But I thought you were going to be protected by LeMage people. Obviously, you were not. They, well, they called up about two days later. Two or three. I was there about three days. In about three days, they got there because that's how I ended up in the Navy. Because there was a big fight going on in the hallway. I could hear it. And then the people started coming and asking me questions. Would you do this? Would you do that? And then finally, it was like a compromise. And I said, um, I'm not going to build offensive WMDs, but I will work on jet engines. And they said, well, then you're going to go to the Navy. And um, I went through uh, Great Lakes, then uh, Pensacola, then Norfolk. And when I got to Norfolk, that's where I settled in and um, started really working on stuff for the Navy. But um, uh, I never saw LeMay ever again after that. And I did see Rudolph a couple of times. Um, he just showed up on base. And um, But what happened there was I figured the only way you're going to fight people like this is you're going to have to fight this fire with a fire. So I really poured it on. Um, I advanced five ranks in four years. First four years, I went up a rank every year. Uh, I really was. I really liked the place. It turned out I found my niche. Um, and I was really helping out 
on a lot of the propulsion units. How many years were you in the Navy? Ten. Ten. From 72 to 82. And um, and the last six was, uh, actually the last four really was crazy. Um, no, that's classified. But um, uh, I would have stayed 30 years if I hadn't gotten injured so bad. And um, I couldn't keep up with uh, my own personnel. How did you get um, uh, injured? Was that in 82? Uh, no, that was in 73. Oh, a year uh, after? Yeah. Well, the year. But, uh, yeah, in 73 I got injured. And um, How? Well, I just, um, God, do you think with all the being out in the field and stuff, I'd get hurt really bad there? <laughs> no, that's not what happened. What happened was it was on a Sunday. That's the first problem. Everybody in the Navy, in the military on Sundays, they are all in the NCO clubs. Um, unfortunately, alcoholism is a big problem in the Navy. Uh, when I was there, it was from 72 to 82. probably still is. So the point is, being on a Sunday, there's nobody around. And um, they had these big jet engines come in that I was working on called the T-56 turboprop. Those are the big engines that's on the P-3 Orion, uh, the Hurricane Chaser, and the E-2C Hawkeye, the radar dome plane. That's these engines are from. And I'm gonna, at that time, I was an expert. Can't hear you. I was an expert on the, t I was an expert on T-56 turboprop engines. So, so they were bringing them in to, uh, Norfolk from all over the world. And um, they had to be, uh, turbines had to be changed. That's another whole story in itself. But anyhow, um, they didn't want to wait for uh, the forklift, which is not a forklift. It's a thing called a heister. It looks like a forklift that's on steroids. It's really... Hold on. Um they wanted to wait for the high. I wanted to wait for the heister. It's, it's like a, a super forklift. It's about ten times the size of a of a forklift in a in a you know, supply uh, building. And I wanted a heister because that's what's going to pick up this jet engine and put it on a trailer. Well, they didn't want to wait, so they grab a regular forklift and they they hook a cable to this jet engine on a on the rails and they're sliding it down to the to the truck bed and I'm going I don't, that's not a good idea guys you really should wait for that ice shirt so a rookie uh, a recruit gets in between the rails to make sure the rails lined up and I went that's like being between the rails of a train coming at you and I turned and looked at him and I started telling him get out of there you know get on the sides and I hear this pop, a really strange pop, and I know that sound. It's metal fatigue. It's got a unique sound. And then I'm still hearing it. It's continuous. And I turned and looked, and the hook that is hooked onto this jet engine, it has popped, and it's straightening out real slowly, the hook. You know, big steel hook, yep. uh, cargo hook, and it's straightening out. These engines are heavy. Too heavy. Bus, and it's going to straighten out. It's going to break, and this 
this engine's going to come flying down them rails. It's going to land on that flatbed, but it's going to it's going to cut in half this re- Navy recruit. He didn't have any better sense. And I went, oh, God. So either I can just turn my back and just listen to the to the crunch and the cut and the splatter of it all, or I could react. And I thought, well, maybe I'm fast enough. So what I do, I'll reach over and I grab this little guy by his shirt collar and his belt, and I hurl him out of there. And I get him out of the, uh, from in between the rails and I throw him out in the parking lot. And, um, I'm turning to go with him. And just as I'm about to clear this big, um, arm that's holding the jet engine in place has a big, um, it's like a big ball, uh, socket thing that, you know, it's, it's an elbow of a mechanical arm. It's huge. That thing catches me in the, L4, L5 area of my back, and it hits me so hard, it pushes my spinal column into my left kidney. Wow. His pain is just... I remember going over everybody, and I saw him pass underneath me, and I thought, wow, this is going to hurt. <laughs> and I hit the ground, man, and I come to, and I am just screaming. It's just pain. is such agony. So anyway... um Months and months in the hospital, Portsmouth Naval Hospital, and uh, my whole left side, my left arm, my left leg, it's, they're paralyzed somewhat, can't move them very well. But I stayed there long enough um, and just did light duties until they wanted to discharge me. I said, no, I, th- I think I can heal up from this. So actually, I did heal up, and I stayed another um, eight years. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, how were you in this discharge in 1973, I guess? Yes, I was. Um, let's see, I can tell you exactly right here. I got two naval discharges. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, long days. 13th day of June, 19. Uh, oh, that was when I entered. Uh, here we go. Um, 18th day of May, 1980. One, so uh, that's when they I released me. But um, are you looking at your DD two fourteen? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, got all that. But the thing was, um, it was a doctor said, yeah, you recovered, but you've got something called a degenerative injury, which means oh, the older I get, the more things break down. So. But anyway, uh, I just could not keep up, and that's why I had to leave. I was man, I would stay. They'd have to take a stick and run me off. But um, so those ten years, anything else yeah. that you can report? Not really. Every, <laughs> everything that I did from after the jet engines, um, it all became classified, and that's that's kind of the irony of it is because the stuff I went through Area Fifty One, I was seventeen. And you really can't sign a minor to a national security oath. So I could tell you about that. But then when it ended up in the Navy, um, I went uh, confidential, then secret, top secret. and if and, uh, Let me stop you there. 17. Obviously, well, I'm wondering if they needed the consent of your, you know, your parents. Your, were your parents told where they were taking you when you were going to do or they kept that quiet, obviously? 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.